Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. Morning, everybody. (laughs) Thanks for being here in the cold. Listen, I was just talking backstage, and um, so I grew up in upstate New York, like just literally south of Canada. But And my parents make fun of me all the time because, give me just a second, guys, my bad. There we go. Okay. Um, Sorry, the hair messes with the mic and it's annoying. But anyways, um, my parents are always like, well, how cold is it? I'm like, it's in the 60s. But what you don't understand is like Florida's humid no matter what the temperature is. So it's like a wet cold 60s, which is miserable. Whereas up north, it's like a sharp hurting cold. I don't know. If you're from different places, you get what I'm saying. But so glad you guys are here. My name is Nicole Golden. I'm married to Bryant Golden. He's the lead pastor. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, I just love it that you guys came today. So thanks. Listen, I um, was telling first service, I kind of want to get the elephant out of the room. If you follow either Bryant or I on social media, you'll see that I bought a bearded dragon on Monday and then I bought four male, I just want to be clear about that, um, Holland Lot bunnies on Thursday. Um, We've always wanted to have a lot of animals. This has been part of the plan. It's just we kind of do everything at once. And I thought this might be helpful for you. So I have four kids. I'm used to having a baby every two to three years. Well, after Case, I got my tubes removed and he just turned three in September. So... I don't know if that makes more sense for you, but uh, I have more animals I want to buy. Bryant has politely asked me to wait six months, so um, in about six more months, who knows? Pigs, chickens, the sky's the limit. So, um, But I was also laughing because I don't know if you guys have experienced this, those of you who have kids, but isn't it funny how your kids will be drawn to or attached to one of you, and then like literally out of nowhere, it'll flip, and then all they want is the other person right? And there's really no rhyme or reason to it. And while they're giving you all the attention, it's like, can you please go find the other person, right? Like, I don't want anymore. But then when they suddenly switch and they only want the other person, it's like, please come back to me and love me, you know? Like, I birthed you. Give me some attention. And so whenever this happens with us, I always feel a little form of rejection. Like, I carried you for nine months. Some of you longer, some of you shorter, you know, some of you were huge. I don't know if you guys remember Braxton and Case when I was pregnant with them, monstrous babies. Um, I've, you know, done everything, and you want your father, you know, like, hello. And so I start to feel rejected. And as a result of my rejection, trying to make sense of all of it, I'm like, okay, well, this makes sense. I'm too busy. I'm a bad mom. That's why they don't love me. I label myself, and then I start to feel all of this insecurity. And I know this is such a silly, stupid illustration, but this is what happens in our actual lives, right? With much more serious things. We are in a world that is broken. We are broken. The people that are supposed to love us are broken. And so at some point in all of our lives, not to be a Debbie Downer, but we're going to face rejection and abandonment, right? Someone's going to reject us. Someone's going to abandon us. Whether it's their fault or ours, we're going to face it. We're going to feel it. 
And then as a result of facing or feeling that rejection and abandonment, our subconscious will label us or receive a label to make it make sense, right? And then as a result of that label, we start to feel insecure. And then our insecurity leads us to some faulty coping mechanisms. So it's rejection, labels, insecurity, coping mechanisms. For some of you, your labels might be that you're dumb, that you have ADHD and you just can't focus, you can never pay attention, you have some sort of mental illness, you're a cheater, you are not enough, you're too fat, you're too skinny, you lie all the time, you have an addiction, you're single, you're divorced, you're never gonna have kids. I don't know, that there's so many different labels, right? But I can guarantee that in this moment, every single one of you right here, if I were to say, what have you labeled yourself or what have you received as a label, you know exactly what that is. And so we've received these labels and then we've developed all sorts of insecurity because rejection-based labels lead to insecurity. And then our insecurity makes us cope in really negative ways sometimes. We drink, we move from relationship to relationship, we eat too much, we eat too little, we manipulate, we lie, we use passive aggressiveness, we um, get addicted to sex, we gossip, all sorts of different things. We become super compliant or we become super defiant. There are all different ways that we try to cope with our insecurity and our labels. And the sad thing is, is that a lot of times these coping mechanisms have such negative effects on us and those people that we love that it becomes cyclical, right? So rejection, label, insecurity, coping mechanisms. Now we've hurt ourselves and other people, we're back to the rejection. And we just can't get out of this negative cycle. Jacob from scriptures from the Old Testament was an incredible example of someone who faced rejection, who was labeled, who dealt with insecurity, who had negative coping mechanisms, and he was in this constant cycle until the one day he met face to face with God. Now here's what you need to understand about Jacob. He was labeled as a newborn baby, okay? So here's what's really cool. Those of you who have kids who are over in CC Kids, you can ask them about what I'm about to teach you and they will know it because for the past several months we've been going over Old Testament history with them, okay? Which I think is absolutely phenomenal. So Adam and Eve started out in the Garden of Eden. They messed up. God instituted his plan of redemption that was gonna start with Abraham, right? Abraham has Isaac. Isaac means laughter because Abraham and Sarah had him when they were in their 90s. Um, <laughs> and what we, told your, what we told the kids are like, pretend your grandma got pregnant. And they're like, oh. So if your grandparents, so sorry, but you're probably like, ooh, yourself. So um, they have Isaac. Then Isaac has Jacob and Esau. Now what's super interesting, if you go back um, in Genesis, like around Genesis chapter 30, and you read some of this, um, Rebecca's pregnant, right? And this is a no-brainer, but they didn't have sonograms back then. And so she thinks she's just pregnant with one kid, but then she's, ha she's feeling the wrestling match in her womb. And there's one point in the scriptures where she actually calls out because she's just in so much pain and like prays to God, like what is going on? with this baby. Well, come to find out, Jacob is fighting with Esau in there, and when they're born, Esau comes out first, but Jacob comes out holding on to his heel. And so they name Jacob, Jacob, which actually means supplanter, someone who seizes, circumvents, or usurps. 
So as a baby, he is given this name. You're a circumventor, you're a usurper, you seize control. This is who you are as a baby. Then in that custom, the oldest son was always given the birthright. He was always given the blessing. And so Isaac naturally just grew attached to Esau, and Esau became his favorite. Now, this wasn't like a subversive favorite. If you look in the scriptures, it was very obvious and evident that Esau was Isaac's favorite. And so now not only is Jacob being labeled as a baby, but he's feeling rejection by his father. And then because Esau gets the birthright or is supposed to get the birthright, Jacob feels abandoned by God. Even though this was the custom, you know, he's feeling his label, he's feeling the rejection, he's feeling the abandonment. And so this leads to all sorts of insecurity and all of these very negative coping mechanisms. So Jacob literally starts lying, deceiving, cheating, stealing to get his way, right? So he disguises himself as Esau, which you'll have to read that whole story. Esau was very hairy. Isaac was, or um, Jacob was not. It's a very interesting story. Won't wait your time. Go read it. Disguises himself as Esau, gets the birthright. Esau's obviously so angry, he threatens to kill him. So Jacob has to take off. After he leaves home, he ends up marrying two different women, which I don't suggest at the same time. Okay, so don't suggest that. That severely complicates your life. Um, But he cheats and steals and lies with his father-in-law. So he's just perpetuating all this, right? So then it gets to a point where he actually has to meet up with Esau again, and he's terrified. He is convinced that Esau is going to kill him. So the lying, conniving, manipulating man that he is, he gets all of his wealth, because at this point he's incredibly wealthy, and gets all this wealth, and he divides all of his animals and livestock and servants and children and wives up in sections, keeping his favorite wife and his favorite son closest to him in the back, right? I can't, I'm not making this up. And so he starts sending these sections to Esau, basically showing Esau, look how wealthy I am. Also, if you are that angry with me, hopefully you'll destroy everything, get it out of your system by the time you get to me. And so he sends everybody ahead of him. He spends the night by himself, not with his wives and children, which he should have. Spends the night by himself. And as he's by himself, he starts praying and he starts bargaining with God. This is what we all do, right? And he's just like, hey, God, I just want to remind you. You promised to bless Abraham. Then you promised to bless my father Isaac. Um, I stole the birthright, so your blessing has come to me. And you want us to be fruitful and multiply. Well, if you kill off all my children and my wives and me, like, you kind of can't keep your promise. So you're kind of stuck here. You have to protect me. And it's in the midst of him bargaining with God that God shows up. And here's what I think is so interesting. God loves to show up in the middle of our mess, doesn't he? And I love that we have a God that shows up in the middle of our mess. We, I, I was talking to someone after first service, and, and she said it was just a miracle that she was even here because over the past two years, she's backslid. That's a churchy word we like to say, like she's grown away from Jesus. And I said, you know what's so funny is you were doing all the sliding, not Jesus, right? But somehow we get in our minds that when we go down a path that we don't think Jesus would approve of, Jesus goes running the other direction, right? We don't remember what all scripture says, that Jesus is always with us no matter where we go. It's just that we kind of convince ourselves, oh, he's left me, so this is why I'm headed down. You know, he's, he's disciplined me. We try to create the distance, right? But God always shows up in the middle of our mess. And so if you look here in Genesis 32, starting in verse 24, it says, Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. 
Now, this is what we know from Scripture. This man was actually God. And you'll see that in a little bit. It says, when the man saw that he could not overpower him or Jacob, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Then the man asked him, what is your name? See, this is the first time that Jacob's actually wrestled with God. Up until this point, Jacob has lied Jacob has manipulated, Jacob has stolen, Jacob has deceived, Jacob has done everything to protect Jacob. And this is the first time that he's come face to face with God and wrestled with God. What is he wrestling? He's wrestling out all of his disappointment. He's wrestling through and out all of his rejection and abandonment. He's wrestling with God over his disappointment and his failures. He is wrestling with God. And God stops him halfway through and says, what is your name? See, God had to get Jacob to admit who Jacob was believing that Jacob was. Does that make sense? Jacob was believing that he was the supplanter, the usurper, the conniving one. That's who Jacob was believing he was. Because every person and decision he made only solidified that fact in Jacob's mind. And so in the middle of wrestling with God, God says, look at me, Jacob, What's your name? What lies are you believing over yourself? What labels have you accepted? Who do you see? How do you see yourself? Who's told you you're this way? What is your name? Jacob, he answered. I'm the supplanter. I'm the liar. You know this, God. I usurp. I connive. I seize control. That's what I do. That's my name. It's Jacob. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob. See, here's the thing. God has a new name for every single one of you. But you have to acknowledge and let go of your previous name. And sometimes that is very, very difficult to do. Because in order to let go of how you've been seeing yourself or how other people have been seeing, you have to come face to face with your shame, don't you? You have to come face to face with your insecurity. You have to come face to face with that rejection and that abandonment. You have to come face to face with the reasons why you have those labels in the first place. And sometimes it's just easier to pop in a pill, isn't it? Sometimes it's just easier to sleep the day away. Sometimes it's easier just to get another drink. Sometimes it's easier just to hop onto the computer and click that mouse one more time. Sometimes it's easier just to hop from relationship to relationship. And God is looking at you and he's saying, listen, you're wrestling with everyone, everything else. You're wrestling with yourself. Would you stop for a second and would you wrestle with me? And then would you tell me your name? Because I have a different name for you. And he named Jacob Israel, which means one who struggles with God. See, I think sometimes we're taught, if you've grown up in this whole thing, right, that we shouldn't struggle with God. We shouldn't wrestle with God. And I hate that because that makes God out to be tiny and weak and unable to deal with us. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. See, God understands we're human. He knows we're facing disappointments. Did you forget that Jesus walked the face of the earth? You read through the Gospels. Jesus faced disappointment after disappointment. 
He understands, he gets it. That's why he sent Jesus in the first place. And he's saying, wrestle with me. Don't wrestle with the pills. Don't wrestle with the bottle. Don't wrestle with another woman or man. Don't wrestle with the pornography. Stop wrestling with everything else. Would you wrestle with me and would you tell me your name? Because I have a new name for you. And until you release what you've been holding on to, I can't speak it over you. And so Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed them there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. This was such a defining moment for Jacob and it could be a defining moment for us because I want to say this to you. God cannot heal what you are hiding behind. And see, Jacob walked away from that place with a limp. And everywhere else Jacob went, he had a limp. Because while he was wrestling with God, God touched him, gave him a limp. And our limps become our process of receiving life. And as we go through this process of receiving life, our past then becomes our power. And God starts to show other people, look, this person, they stopped, they wrestled with me. They wrestled through everything, all their thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Yes, they have a limp now, but they have a limp to prove to you that I love to use the underdog and that no limp is too hard or too far gone or too tough for me. I use the limps to shine my light, right? I love what James 4, 7 says. It says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. See, our limps become our process, what I said before, to receive the life that Jesus wants to give us. But we have to stop hiding behind our limps. We have to stop hiding behind our labels. And we have to accept the new name that God wants to give us. But it's such a difficult process. But I'm just thinking to myself, how powerful would it be if we stopped hiding behind the labels we've given ourselves or someone else has given us, if we stopped hiding our limps, because every single one of us has a limp, and if we <laughs> limped out of this building, right, with our heads held high, Psalms talks about this. It says, God, you're the lifter of my head. If we walked out of here with our heads held high and said, yes, world, we have a limp, but let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life despite my limp. Amen. Let me tell you about this new name Jesus has given me. See, I grew up thinking that I was perfect, right? I worked really hard for my perfection. I worked really hard to do all of the right things. And then shortly after Bryant and I got married, and there's no correlation, but I was diagnosed with several mental illnesses. <laughs> just want to make it clear there was no correlation, okay? <laughs> just in case you're wondering. But I was diagnosed with anxiety, depression, and borderline personality disorder. And I don't know how much you know about borderline, but it's one of the, or at least 10 years ago when I was diagnosed, one of the least diagnosed personality disorders. One out of 10 people with borderline will commit suicide, okay? So if you understand this is a small pool of people actually getting diagnosed, and then you say one out of 10, that's a really high percentage. And then my brother committed suicide a couple of years ago, so then you can imagine all the mind games that are playing in me, correct? And the survivor's guilt, and that should have been me, and why him and not me, and what could have I done to help him? And, I had to wrestle through all of these labels. And I remember there was one point about 11 years ago where I was so tired. <laughs> I was so tired of living with my anxiety and depression. I was so tired of living with my borderline. And I remember being face down, and I've shared this with you guys before, but just begging God, listen, 
here's the deal. You're going to take me or I'm going to take me. I'm going to end up dead one way or the other. And I remember in that moment, Jesus spoke to me. And he said, I love you. Right here. On the ground. Where you feel hopeless and you're asking me to kill you. I love you. And that was a turning point in my life. Because I had to release all of the visions and the view and the thoughts I had for my life. I had to release the labels. I had to release all of those things. And I had to accept and fully embrace God's love for me in that moment. And it changed the trajectory of my life. And so I want to ask some of you right now, what labels have you received or given yourselves? See, some of you have given yourself labels. For me, for so long, I referred to myself as an idiot and didn't even realize it until Kevin, my therapist, called me out on it. Called myself an idiot. That's how I viewed myself. Some of you have given yourself labels. Some of you have received labels. And, and, I, and I just want to take a quick minute and just talk to those of you who have failed. I'm not sure how you failed, but you failed and a label was spoken over you, and you've carried that label and that shame, and you've done everything right to make it right, and people still will not let go of that label. And I wanna tell you that man does not have the power to label you. God has given you a new name. You shake off that label, and you leave that behind, and you run hard and fast over the new name God has given you. And I want to plead with those of you that are holding unnecessary labels over people's lives, please release them from those. You're not God. And these people are dying inside because you will not release this label over this person's life. What labels have you received and have been spoken over you? How is your insecurity over these labels leading you to self-sabotage? What do you need to surrender to give up to walk away from? What pills do you need to crush and throw away? What bottles do you need to empty? What accountability do you need in your life? What are you doing that's self-sabotaging? And then do you need to wrestle with God? He can take it. He's big enough, he's strong enough. And some of you, this is going to be a process. You are going to have to wrestle and wrestle and wrestle. You're going to have to work through the disappointment. You're going to have to work through the rejection. You're going to have to work through the failure. You're going to have to work through the doubt. You're going to have to work through the discouragement. And it's not going to be pretty, and it's not going to be nice, and it's not going to be neat. It's not going to be quick. And you need to surround yourself with people 
who are willing to kind of keep their eye on you and to watch you struggle, but that aren't going to interfere with this process, right? The people that are quick to run in and say, all things work together for good. You know, those people, you know, um, you want to push those people out of your life. And you want people around you right now that are like, listen, I did my own wrestling with God. This is the most healthy thing you can do. I'm going to be here and I'm just going to watch and pray over you, but I'm not going to rush you. I'm not going to force you out of this. I'm just going to pray over you as you work through this. And I'm going to stand here and be here. And I'm going to listen to you as you talk through it. And I'm going to be faithful here with you as well. See, 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, if you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from, from, from confusing God's incomparable power with us. See, when you wrestle with God, you will walk away with a limp. But that limp shows off his light. And you become, just like that verse says, you're a broken jar, right? But when you shine a flashlight through a broken jar, doesn't it create the most beautiful tapestry? And that's what Jesus wants to do with our lives. You don't listen to people. One of the things that you guys tell Bryant and I all the time, and it's the greatest compliment you can give us, is how real and honest and authentic we are. And we told God when we were first going through um, all of my mental health stuff, when our marriage was hanging on by a thread, because it was, um, the fact that we are still married, that I'm still alive, that we have four beautiful children, that's a miracle. And... Four bunnies, a bearded dragon, and two, yes. Anyways, but what I want to tell you is this. Is that God wants to use your limp because you don't want to listen to perfect people who have it all together, do you? You can't relate to them. You can't relate to someone who gets up on stage and says they have it all together. You want to listen to the person on stage who's walking around with a limp that says, listen, I was in the middle of my mess. God showed up there, and we had a wrestling match. And in the midst of that wrestling match, I finally surrendered the labels I had been carrying around, and I received the new name God has given me, and now I'm walking around with this limp to tell you, if he could do it for me, he can do it for you. And what I hope and pray over Centerpoint, what Bryant hopes and pray, and what our staff hopes and prays, is that we don't walk out of here, right? It's that we limp out of here. Because when we limp out of here, that means we've surrendered. Those of us that are walking without a limp, be very very suspicious of them because they haven't gone through the wrestling. I want to know you've wrestled with God. I want to know you've surrendered that label and I want to know you've received his new name over your life. That's what I want to know. And so what new name is God speaking over your life? Here's what I want you to understand. This is why community is so important because sometimes you don't even know what name you're calling yourself. You don't even know how you're seeing yourself until someone else comes into your life and is like, man, the way you're talking about yourself, the way you're relating with yourself, you're so far off. Let me tell you what I see. Let me tell you how I see that God's wired you. Let me speak life into you. Let me help you find your new name. That's why community is so important. And counseling is part of that, right? It's surrounding yourself with people who also have a limp that can say, been there, done that. Let me help you discover your new name. And then will you accept this new name and leverage your limp? Would you stop hiding? 
Would you allow Jesus to start healing? And would you own the limp he's given you? Would you guys stand with me as we close? We're about to sing a song that they introduced a couple of weeks ago, and it is such a powerful, powerful song. And as we sing it, here's what some of you may need to do. Some of you may need to tangibly, we did this in first service, we had people tangibly walk forward to the stage and say, God, I am shedding that label that's been spoken over my life or that I've received, and I am accepting and surrendering and receiving the new name you've spoken over me. Some of you need to tangibly get out of your seats and do that. Others of you, you may need to sit and pray and think and wrestle. Some of you may need to just lift your arms and abandon. Some of you, you might just need to stand right where you are. But sometimes a physical act clicks something in our brain where we're like, forget you, enemy, for lack of a better way to say it, right? Forget you. I'm no longer going to give you the power to speak things over my life. I am running to the one who's met me in the middle of my mess and wants to give me a new name and wants to help me leverage this limp for his honor and his glory. See, I just want to see all of you freed from this insecurity, and I want to see all of you freed from the lies the enemy wants to speak over your life. If he can keep speaking these labels and these lies over you, it's almost like you're imprisoned. And you can't live the abundant life Jesus has called you to live. I want to see you this morning say, forget it. <laughs> I am running out of that cage and I am running hard and fast over to my Savior who wants to speak a new name over my life. Jesus, I just pray for everyone in front of me right now. God, I know that the enemy has lied to so many of these people. And he has put them in this prison of disbelief. And he's put them in this prison where they think that they can only ever be this one way. And Jesus, I know you want to free them from these labels and that you want to free them from these prisons. And Jesus, I pray that they would do whatever they need to do, that they would start wrestling with you, that they would start working through their disappointment and their failures and their frustration and their rejection, that they would wrestle through those and that they would be open to receive the new name that you've placed over their lives and that God, they would stop hiding behind their limps, but they would use their limp to make a difference for you, that they would use their limp to connect with people, that they would use their limp to show people, hey, listen, you're not too far gone. Listen to what I did. Listen to where I was and look what Jesus has done in my life. God, it says that when you look at us, you don't see our labels. You don't see the names we've given ourselves. No, God, when you look at us, you see Jesus Christ in all of his perfection. So God, help us to live that way. Help us to truly believe that. Help us to know that you love us unconditionally. And God, I pray for those today who have never placed their faith and trust in Jesus. And I wanna talk to those of you right now real quickly and keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, gosh, it's so easy. You just tell God that you believe you're a sinner and that's super easy to do, right? We've all failed that you believe Jesus died on the cross for those sins, that he rose again from the grave. And here's the thing, if he could bring himself back to life, he can sure as heck take care of your label, can he? So Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose again, and I'm asking you to save me. It's that simple. If you've never done it before, it's that simple. 
And for those of us who have accepted Christ and we're still living so bogged down by these labels we've created and received, God, free us and speak our names to us. Speak over us our new names. And God, I pray that you would give us the strength to receive it. In your name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.